In previous programs, my guest today has spoken with me about arthritis and ankylosing spondylitis. Today's program follows the trail of bones and conditions affect our bones, and it's all about osteoporosis. Once again, it's my pleasure to welcome physician and rheumatologist, Dr. John Vanderkellen. Dr. Vanderkellen, it's good to have you here again, and thank you for giving us your time. Thanks for inviting me again. Our topic, as I've said, is osteoporosis. Exactly what is it? Um, Osteoporosis is thinning of the bones. Um, It's a decrease in bone mass, um, and it results in fragility of the bones, so weakening of the bones. So what happens in our body for it to occur? Well, the development of osteoporosis is really very interesting. A lot of it really starts from when we're in our teenage years. When you uh, go through puberty, the uh, density of your bones increases quite dramatically, actually. So if you don't get adequate calcium intake and things during those sort of years, then you don't actually develop your peak bone mass, you know, your potential peak bone density. Then as you, um, as women reach menopause, then the protection that they get from estrogen for their bones diminishes and the bones uh, get weaker and weaker. Now um, you develop osteoporosis when you reach a particular level of weakness in the bones. Um, And at that point, that's when you're really at risk of having fractures. How is it diagnosed? There's a good test available for diagnosing osteoporosis. It uh, is called a bone mineral density scan, and it's like having a simple x-ray done. And they scan your spine and they scan your hip and they just see how dense it is. Does it show any symptoms before falling over and having a fracture? No, no. Osteoporosis doesn't give you any symptoms. The first symptom that you get is a broken bone. So somebody who has a problem with osteoporosis wouldn't even know about it without actually going for the test. That's right, that's right. Mm. Arthritis sort of shows up. You can often tell when someone's going to have a problem with arthritis Mm. um, prior to it actually developing. Mm. And there's no sign at all for osteoporosis? Well, there's no clinical signs, so there's no Mm. symptoms, but there are certainly significant risk factors that will increase your risk of developing osteoporosis. So as I alluded to before with uh, uh, teenage children, if they don't get adequate calcium and nutrition in those years, then their peak bone density won't be good to start with, and they'd be at risk of developing osteoporosis. But there are other more significant issues later in life. So for instance, uh, for women, if they reach menopause earlier, then they lose that protection from oestrogen and they are more likely to develop osteoporosis sooner. Um, Similarly, smokers or those who drink too much alcohol, they're at risk. Uh, People who are vitamin D deficient, that's very important as well. And vitamin D is important for absorbing calcium and for giving you good bone strength. Then there are things like medications that can add to it and family history that's important. Mm. So if you are someone who, for instance, their mother had had a hip fracture, then you would be more likely to have a fracture yourself. So under those circumstances, it would be important to be uh, very um, proactive about getting your bone density Mm. sorted out. Mm. Um, In the case, does it go mother-daughter or does it go father daughter, father, son? Does it go down one side of the gender? Right. Uh, Well, I'm not sure exactly, but the studies that were done, they looked at uh, the history of whether your mother had had a fracture. So Mm. that was just what they'd looked at. Mm. Sometimes you see, usually elderly women, with what 
we in, in England called a widow's hump or mm-hmm. a dowager's hump. Mm-hmm. Is this a sign of, of osteoporosis? Yes, yes, it can be. And uh, one of the signs is uh, a loss of height, you know, and, and many women, uh, they get shorter as they get older and some of this is due to the discs between the bones and your spine uh, dehydrating, but a lot of it can be due to uh, collapsing of the bones. And sometimes that is a bit of a bad back for a few days, you know. Mm. Sometimes it's severe pain, you know, and people go to hospital for it. But often it's a bit of a bad back for a few days, and that's sufficient. And then it goes again. Yeah. Mm. So again, um, just how, if those that sort of thing was developing, then a simple X-ray of the of the spine will will mm. see if there's been fractures or not. Can anything be done to prevent it from happening, osteoporosis? I mean, apart from mm. starting early. Mm. Um, if someone became aware that they were at risk of developing it, how would they go about preventing it? Okay, well, um, there's a lot of things, and it, and it really depends on the individual and how much osteoporosis or how much weakening of the bones they have. So if they were in the severe category where the, where the bones were quite weak, well, there's good medication available for that, and that can work quite well. But if you're in a group where you have weakening of the bones but but not quite into that uh, severe end, then things like adequate calcium and vitamin D are very important, regular exercise, and trying to re- reverse those other risk factors like smoking and excessive alcohol. Mm. Is it advisable to take calcium like you do with natural supplements? As a supplement. Yeah. As a Postmenopausal female, you need to have about 1,200 milligrams of calcium a day, which is for the standard serves of calcium. And in my experience, most women don't get to that amount each day. And four serves would be, for instance, uh, four glasses of milk or four pieces of, you know, 30 grams of cheese or uh, four tubs of yogurt, you know, or a mix Mm. of those. So some people would take, you know, yogurt two or three times a week and maybe a glass of milk couple of times a week but to do it every day most people don't one calcium supplement is about 600 milligrams so equivalent to two of those uh, uh, portions so usually i suggest one calcium supplement plus the normal sort of diet and that should be sufficient Mm. i i guess in this day and age we're very much aware of drinking milk and taking dairy foods because of cholesterol Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So is there still the same benefit from skim milk and, and low fat? Yeah, and in fact, skim milk seems to have a bit more calcium than the normal milk, uh, interestingly. Mm. I'm not sure why that is. So if you're we're in that category where you have to be very careful about cholesterol and weight, then um, you may even require two calcium supplements a day. Mm. Mm. We've talked about the women having the dowger hump, but do men have the same sort of problem? You often sort of see men... Um, particularly the older men mm-hmm. who look like they've lost their horse. Their b- legs are quite <laughs> bowed. Yeah, Is this yeah. a sign of osteoporosis? Um, not really. No, that's often more goes with a different condition called Paget's disease. Um, oh, right. And that okay. can give you that bowing of the legs. Men can also develop the, the same spinal changes and, and shortening as well, mm. but it is less common in men. Uh, they say one in two women over the age of 60 will develop an osteoporotic fracture. Mm but it's about one in three men over the age of 60. So it's less common than in women, but still very common, you know, 33%. It's, it's, it's a still lot. a lot of people, isn't it's it? It's a lot, yeah. yeah. Once you know that you've got osteoporosis and you change your diet, what else can be done to improve lifestyle? Because once you've 
I guess I was thinking again about the the ladies. Once you've got this deformity or lack of height, mm. um, you're stuck with that, aren't you? You are really. Yeah, you can't uh, bring that bone back up to its uh, previous height. And I guess that's what I'm asking. Once mm. it's gone, it's gone. Mm, that's right. Yeah. And once you've developed a fracture, well, it's a very important risk factor as far as developing more fractures. And the main aim of treatment then is to really try and prevent another one from happening. My guest today is Dr. John Vanderkallen, and we're talking about osteoporosis. Are some people more likely to end up with osteoporosis than others? I mean, is it just part of their their genetic makeup? Um, it's not just genes. As I said, it's it's very common osteoporosis, and one in two women will have an osteoporotic fracture. But some have multiple fractures, you know, and there are certainly people who are at a higher risk than others. Do these fractures happen fairly simply? Yes, they do. Really, um, it's interesting when you look at when people get fractures and uh, and often the first one that people get is a wrist fracture and that often is women in their 50s and 60s that get the wrist fracture um, and usually that's a simple fall often it's just a one-off sort of event mm-hmm. you know uh, and uh, you know they just put their hand out and you land on your wrist and that's it and that's you know it. and it's okay. all done in a split second you know um, so she one who knows right <laughs> um with their lifestyle, does it, a person's lifestyle make any difference to their risk? I mean, you get men who, who do a lot of heavy lifting or digging or, or that sort of thing. Are they mm. more at risk of sustaining fractures as, when they get older? No, and in fact, those, probably, those activities are probably protective for your bones, really. Mm. Sedentary lifestyle is, is the, probably the biggest risk factor your bones get a lot of positive reinforcement by weight bearing on them and Mm. not just you'd think it'd be just legs um, and spine Mm. but in fact your overall bone density improves uh, by doing regular weight bearing exercise and this means about 30 minutes a week of walking uh, for instance that'd be the simplest weight bearing exercise um, some people do, you know, more higher impact. Uh, but, you know, if you're getting on and your bones are a bit weaker, I wouldn't suggest, you know, jumping mm. up and down on the spot. <laughs> if um, if someone's been used to, and I'm, again, I'm thinking about the men, if they've been used to doing, let's say, heavy gardening, that sort of thing, mm. um, this is something they should continue doing yeah, as a preventative. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fine. And, in fact, there is one company that make this uh, sort of like, bathroom scale type thing and they suggest if you stand on it and it gives you this positive pulsation through your bones and they say that helps you. Is it true or is it what they say? Ah, well, it's always a bit difficult to (laughs) differentiate those, but in theory that makes sense. But um, it's an expensive intervention and, and it's just as good to walk around, you know. And, uh, and that's what I would suggest. And by walking around, you're improving your muscle strength as well and your balance. You know, so if you pre- can prevent yourself from falling mm. uh, by doing these sort of simple things, then, uh, then even if you do have osteoporosis, it's going to be less of an issue. You're less likely to, um, to trip and, and fall if, you, if your balance is right. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. And one of the great interventions for that, uh, well, particularly for women, <laughs> um, is, is dancing, in fact. Um, um, they respond very quickly even within about four to six weeks and they find their balance and muscle strength is much better and they're much less likely to fall after that. And, mm. and does that stay with them while they're dancing or does that continue on after they've given it up or don't do it as much? 
Yeah, well, obviously, if you're not mm. doing it, then you must you, lose You go less. back to the, yeah, as you were yeah, before. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm. that's right. But that's great. And also things like Tai Chi can be very good as well mm. for balance and muscle strength. You know, they're, they're mm. great uh, things to do. You often hear about women going for Tai Chi and those types of classes. How often do the men get involved with those things? Is it something that they tend to think of as being a woman's thing? Yeah, maybe, yeah. And sometimes uh, a lot of people who have, you know, a lot of stress and things tend to go a bit more for things like Tai Chi Mm. and yoga for Mm. that matter. Um, But, you know, it's just as useful for men. And certainly there's lots of men out there doing Tai Chi you know. Yeah, you just don't mm. hear about them as much as you, you no, do with, that's the, right. with the ladies. Yeah, that's yeah. right. No. Um, you mentioned, I think, earlier on about um, there are some medications that can be given either to prevent or to stop any further incidences of, of osteoporosis resulting in falls. Mm. So what sort of medication would you give them? Well, there's a few different classes of medication, and if you've had a fracture, then you need to have some medication you know, in most cases. Despite your bone density, so you can have weak bones but not be quite osteoporotic, and you are still at risk of having further fractures. So even under those circumstances, it's worthwhile being treated, particularly mm. as you mm. get older. So probably the most effective group of medications are the bisphosphonates, and these are two main drugs, um, Actinel and Fosamax, and they have been shown to be very effective in preventing further fractures. So if, for instance, you were osteoporotic and you fractured your hip, you would have a, a risk of about 5 to 10% of having another fracture within the next uh, 3 to 5 years. Um, so that risk can be dropped by about 70% with these medications. So it doesn't make the risk zero, but mm. it drops it from, you know, five to ten to two, two to three, you know. So that's quite a big difference. Mm. Mm. If somebody has a fall, it doesn't necessarily mean if they have a fracture. Mm. Um, and we go back to the example of the lady tripping, putting her hand down. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Because it's happened once, it doesn't necessarily mean that she's going to continue, if she has another fall, that she will end up with a, a fracture, does it? No, and in fact, most falls don't end in fractures. You know, a mm. lot of people fall and don't fracture. But um, it does mean that there is a propensity there for further fractures. And they need to have a bit more, be a bit more aware of it, I guess. If you've had a fracture, mm. you need to have a bone density done. Yeah. You need to know what it is. And you need to have things like calcium and vitamin D assessed. Mm. Let's go back to the, the bone density test, and you said it's basically like a, an X-ray. Mm. Um, exactly what is involved? Oh, you basically lie on a table, and mm. they just put an X-ray beam uh, and through your it. spine and your hip. And do they look at the thickness of the bone, literally, um, or does it show up in some other way? Yeah, no, they just give you... They measure the, the a certain amount of area, and they look at how much... Uh, how much beam, uh, x-ray beam needs to go through that, yeah. and then they work out a average density of the bone. So they can't tell you if the cortex of the bone is really thick or thin, and similarly can't tell you how much the matrix of the bone is intact. And So it doesn't really give us a good idea of the structure itself. It's a pretty rough guide, really, yeah. of, of how strong the bones are, but, but it's what all the studies and everything mm-hmm. are based on, so... And I guess it gives people like you the idea of where to go. Yeah, exactly. It gives us an idea of the severity and how aggressive we need to be about treating it. If somebody was on medication, would they need to take it for the rest of their life? There's a fair bit of controversy about that point at the moment. 
you certainly would need treatment for at least five years unless there was some mm. difficulty with the medication. Um, if you had no further fractures in that five years, then consideration could be made to stopping the medication. If you continue to have fractures in that period of time, then uh, it needs to be reassessed. Would the bone density test show up? So if you're on it for five years, would there be a difference between the first year that you're on the medication and the fifth year? You'd does hope it so. Show up? It, it <laughs> does actually so. show up. It in. can show up, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But... A lot of the ability of the medication to work is related to improving the structure of the bone rather than increasing the absolute density of the bone. Mm. The bone itself is a a matrix, you see, and if you can strengthen up that matrix, then it makes the bone inherently stronger and it may not actually actually look denser on the bone density scan. So at the end of five years, you you would do some tests and... and yeah, it really yeah. comes down to whether you've had more fractures or not, mm. you know, because this is the thing that you're really trying to prevent, you know. And the numbers and things, if the tests, if they look better, well, that is very reassuring. Mm. But, even, but if they're not better, and this will happen in a certain percentage of people, but they haven't had a fracture, well, that's a good outcome as well. Dr. John Vanderkallen is with me today and we're talking about osteoporosis and what happens to us if we have it. And uh, let's take this one step further and um, find out how we live with it. You mentioned that it's more common in women than in men. Does it ever occur before menopause? Can do, yeah. A bit of that's related to whether you achieve your peak bone mass in the first instance. And if you haven't, then you'd be likely to have a problem with fracture earlier. But there are also people who have uh, other medical problems that will predispose them to it. Um, you know, some people can't absorb all the nutrients from the, from the bowel and from the gut, and that would uh, make your bones weaker. Or they've had a lot of medications like uh, cortisone, you know, prednisone, mm. that's very common, uh, that will make your bones weaker. Patients who have eating disorders, anorexia, that makes your bones weaker. Um, so these people are all at risk of having fractures earlier than you would normally expect. Now, I've heard it said that women who take hormone replacement therapy have a less risk because of the hormones. Mm. Is this true? It is true, actually. Yeah, the hormone replacement therapy is good for your bones, um, but it's the other risks that go with hormone replacement therapy that are the issue, you know. And it's difficult, and I think everyone is individual in this respect. Um, I think if there's a family history of uh, breast cancer or uterine cancer or ischemic heart disease, you know, heart attacks and Mm. things, then you really have to weigh up the benefits of hormone replacement therapy. But if that's certainly none none of that in the family and you're otherwise well and you don't want to have one of the other medications, then, you know, HRT is an option. Do you think that women, even if they haven't been prescribed HRT for... Uh, menopause symptoms, Mm -hmm. should it be recommended to these women to consider going on it? Well, they've never done a trial to compare, you know, calcium, vitamin D, exercise uh, versus hormone replacement therapy. So my advice would be to go for those other measures because I think that they're equally effective. Mm -hmm. It's my general impression. I mean, there's no study about that. If you'd had a fracture, though, that would change the scenario. What type of fracture is most common? Well, um, the most common are probably the vertebral fractures um, of the spine, Mm. so when people start shortening and things. Rib fractures are also very common with osteoporosis and often aren't 
uh, investigated adequately, you know, because mm. people think that they're not so important. Um, the most clinically relevant ones are more like the hip fractures and uh, wrist fractures and, and upper arm fractures, the mm. humeral fractures. They're the sort of common ones that, you know, require um, operations and physiotherapy and all that sort of business. If you have somebody who has a, a problem with their spine, mm-hmm. would they necessarily be aware of it? No, this is the point, yeah. There's maybe really 30 or 40% of these spinal fractures uh, aren't known about by the patient, you know. Um, as I said, sometimes it's just a day or two of pain and, and that's enough. Mm. Um, but it's a very important thing to recognize because um, it's a clear risk factor as far as having further fractures. Mm. And uh, if you have had a fracture of the spine, then you can get treatment for your bones and that will, as I said, reduce your risk of having another fracture by about 70%. I guess the other problem is if, if you have a, a spinal fracture and you don't know about it, then there's a risk that you could probably aggravate it and do, end up with all sorts of problems as a result of that. Yeah, well, you're ri- at risk yeah. of having another one. Yeah. And in fact, if you've had one spinal fracture, your risk of having another in the next year is about 20%. So it's quite high. High, yeah, one in five. Yeah. If somebody has a hip fracture, what's the, the rate of fatality as a result of that it doesn't necessarily mean it's a death knell, does it? No, and, um, you know, if you'd asked me this question 100 years ago, it was, mm. you know, and most people died within 12 months of a hip fracture in those days. Now it's about 20%, so it's mm. still quite high, still quite high. Um, 80% of people won't get back to their previous level of functioning after a hip fracture. About 50 or 60% will need some kind of aid to help them walk, you know, mm. either a frame or a stick. Um, after 12 months, still one in five people die mm. after a mm. hip fracture. But there's a lot of morbidity associated with it, you know. There's a lot of disability yeah. and, 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 and ongoing issues. So in, a, in many senses, it can be thought of like as having a heart attack, you know. Um, a similar amount of people would probably die after a mm. heart attack or have ongoing problems. If somebody has a, a hip fracture, is it usually the pelvis the socket where the where the top of the the bone sits into is that usually the area that is more likely to fracture it's more actually in the long bone of the leg mm. so the femur and it's the top part of the femur so that sort of ball that sits mm. in the socket you know occasionally the socket itself gets fractured but it's usually what we call the neck of the femur mm. so it's just at that top part of the femur could this be replaced in a hip hip replacement yeah, it, off, it usually does in a hip yeah. replacement. Yeah, that's right. So previously they used to do a lot of sort of half hip replacements with these fractures. Mm. Now they tend to use a lot of screws um, and, and realign it and then allow the bone to heal. And this happens with the shoulder as well, the way the top of the arm fits into the shoulder. Yeah, it's part. a bit like that, but it tends to be a bit lower down in the in that bone um, than uh, compared to the femur. And uh, they tend to just treat those with a collar and a cuff, so they don't usually need to be operated on. Once a person's had a fracture, they are often sent for physiotherapy. In the case of elderly people, they're often on a pension, do not have medical benefit funds, you know, Mm -hmm. a fund. Mm. Can they still go to a physiotherapist without having to pay for it? 
Mm, so a lot of the fractures would be treated through the hospital system and uh, in, uh, and uh, there's usually physios as attached to the hospitals uh, and they, you don't have to pay for those. Um, but there is a new initiative uh, under the PBES where um, uh, pensioners and other patients can get, uh, I think it's four or five visits uh, that are subsidised uh, by the government. So sometimes, depending on where you are, you wouldn't have to pay very much more. But mm. it's certainly a lot cheaper than it used to be. Mm. Finally, is there any advice you can give us on day-to-day -day living that we can follow to prevent osteoporosis, mm -hmm. working on the basis that we are middle-aged and mm -hmm. ageing? Mm -hmm. What can we do, apart the, from walking? Okay, I think that's really the main one, you know, the, really the muscle strength and the bone strength comes from that uh, weight-bearing exercise. But calcium and vitamin D. The vitamin D story is really very interesting. Um, they previously said you'd, there was no vitamin D deficiency in Australia because it was so sunny and things. Um, but uh, I look after a lot of people who've had fractured hips and they're all vitamin D deficient. Um, it's remarkable really. And I think, uh, you know, everyone's quite aware about being in the sun and they cover up and put creams on and things. And this makes it hard to absorb vitamin D. And there's not very much in the diet that uh, that you can get from is mm. eggs and fish. Mm. With um, with being out in the sun, you don't necessarily have to go and sit in the sun to get the benefit of vitamin D that way, do you? I mean, it can oh, you come, do actually. Do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you not um, get it, say, for, for example, from being outside and pegging out the washing? That's oh yeah, no. But you need that sun uh, yeah. exposure. But yeah. rather than actually go and sitting in the sun and, and risking the problems that go with sitting in the well, sun. Well, you know, we're talking for middle-aged people about ten minutes a day. Mm, yeah. yeah. So it's not very long enough. And it's not very long, so it's not really long enough to get too um, burnt or anything unless yeah. it's the middle of summer. But um, as you get older, you do need more exposure. So it does become a bit, uh, a bit more difficult. So again, some people will take a vitamin D supplement um, with their calcium supplement. And in fact, there are preparations available that have both in the same tablet. And I think it's an excellent um, investment. <laughs> you know, It's certainly one of the cheaper supplements. And when you look at what uh, a lot of people are paying for with different mm. supplements, I think uh, calcium and vitamin D is a, is a worthwhile investment. My guest today has been physician and rheumatologist, Dr. John van der Callen. Thank you so much for coming in and giving us your time and um, your words of wisdom, as always. Until the next time we meet, this is Iris Nichols. Thanking you for listening, and from all of us here, we wish you well.